Hey everybody, you're listening to the How to Have Threesomes podcast. I'm Key. And I'm Lily. We've been together for seven years in a relationship style we call monogamish. This podcast is going to give you everything you need to build a stronger relationship with your partner, create healthy boundaries, and communicate honestly. We're going to help you have fun, safe, sexy adventures and have the best threesomes of your life. Ready? Here we go. You. Hey guys, the episode you're about to hear needed to be re-edited. All the guests and stories you love so much are still the same, we just needed to bleep out a few things for privacy. Before we jump into the episode today, we wanted to tell you that the How to Have Threesomes video course is now open for enrollment. We have spent years working on this project and are so, so excited to share it with you. In this course, we teach you all of our secrets for finding your ideal unicorn, from navigating dating apps and play parties to forming connections with friends and with professionals. Regardless of your experience level, this video course is full of actionable tips, tricks, and worksheets, like the needs list, kinky questionnaire, and what makes a high-converting Tinder bio. We show you how to express your deepest desires without destroying a relationship, plus how to maintain excitement with your partner. If you want to have the best threesomes of your life, this is the video course for you. We are now also offering coaching for people who want that individual attention. Some of the best money we ever spent was on a professional to help guide us through our challenging times. And not every therapist is trained to navigate non-monogamy, so if you and your partner want some extra support in these tricky situations, we're here for you guys. Another thing that we're offering is a sexy getaway. Come and spend a week with us on a tropical island. We're going to take you on some amazing experiences like hiking waterfalls, partner acro, fire dancing, and some crazy party nights. We've also teamed up with experts to bring you workshops in Tantra, Shibari, trust building, and pickup. Plus, personalized photo shoots to show off the best version of yourself online. By the end of the retreat, you'll be more confident, have a better connection with your partner, and a deeper understanding of your desires. This retreat will be a bunch of wild and sexy times, and we're stoked to bring you guys out here. We're offering the video course and the coaching on teachable.com. If you want more details about the couples retreat, we have a form you can fill out. All the links will be available in the show notes or on the How to Have Threesomes Instagram. You guys are also welcome to reach out to us directly for coaching or anything else you might need. And now, back to the episode. This is the How to Have Threesomes podcast. I'm and I'm And today we have a special guest on our show. Very, very special guest. Her name is Eva. You. Hello, hello. It's been really hard for us to start this podcast. We've been laughing for like... Eva right. so. is a really good friend of ours um, that we have quite a history with, and oh, this is a podcast that is very serious. So in today's episode, we talk all about being the third girl in a threesome, self-love, yoni eggs, and the magic of period blood. That's right. I said it. If it freaks you out, you should definitely stay and listen because this is important, and it's a really good episode. I hope you guys hang out and enjoy, and as always, if you could please leave us a rating or review we would appreciate it forever. Thank you, guys. Eva, mm. would you like to tell us about yourself? Where are you from? How did you come to be in this part of the world? What is your life? How are you in now? Well, I was actually born in England, but I moved to Australia when I was like two years old. So. I didn't know that. I had no idea as well. <laughs> God, are we even friends? Okay. Um, but yeah, I've been living in Australia since, um, the last five years or so, I've just been traveling the world quite a fair bit. And this is probably my eighth time in now. Um, I absolutely love and yeah, it just feels like a second home almost now. Your eighth time here? Yes. <laughs> That's it. That's the end of the podcast. <laughs> um, so, I mean, so Eva, what do you do for work in Australia? 
So I'm a disability carer. I um, care for a young girl with Angelman syndrome two days a week. Um, I used to be her education assistant in school and I've been working with her for a few years now, just um, private care work. But I'm also a women's coach. So I coach people with their mental health, physical health problems, um, a lot to do with mindset, mindfulness, self-love, those kinds of things. And I am an energy healer, so I'm trained in Reiki um, and I was trained by my kinesiologist. So I picked up a number of different kind of energy healing practices, a bit of kinesiology practices, um, also integrate a bit of like the Tantra training that I've done into one-on-one sessions with people. And um, I facilitate events. So I run full moon sister circles and different kinds of workshops and retreats in Australia. Um, hoping to expand on that and bring it to a place like because who wouldn't want to come on a retreat? And and so what happens in a sisterhood circle? In a ceremony? sister circle. So um, you have been very successful. I like watch your stories and it always looks like a lot of fun. I'm like super jealous. Everyone's so smiley and like glowy after the fact. <laughs> it's magic. It's, it's like witchcraft for cute girls in Australia. Yeah, essentially. <laughs> <laughs> so basically... The whole point of me starting these circles was just to cultivate more community and connection with people that live in Perth. So I've just been bringing people together and we'll sit in ceremony. And I always run a cacao ceremony and I guide everyone through like a meditation, um, journaling prompts, different kinds of connection exercises. And then we always do like a letting go ritual. So like with the full moon, it's like we're releasing anything that we want to let go of to create space for the things that we want to manifest in the next lunar cycle. That's beautiful. Mm, I love it. I feel like that's something not enough people do is like focus on what they actually want to release and like things that are weighing them down. They're focusing too much on like what they want to achieve next. Definitely. It's not like I'm speaking about myself or anything, but <laughs> maybe I need to be burning more papers. We'll see. Yeah, but I feel like it's a really beautiful practice of kind of emptying out anything that isn't serving you to then create that space for the things that you really want to call in. Just working with the moon cycles in that way. So whenever we get our, our place built here, we'll come teach some workshops? Yes, I'll run sister circles, but I'll I'll do men's circles so you can come to Brother circles? Sister yeah, circles. I'll do sister and brother circles. <laughs> there we go. I like Did you do them co-ed? Yeah. yeah. Yeah? Sister and brother. We can co-ed naked body paint. No sexual tension whatsoever. Sounds good. <laughs> so how old were you when you first discovered your sexuality? I feel like I was a very late bloomer. Um, I feel like I really had no idea about my own sexual body at all. I went to Catholic schools and... Oh, goodness. Yeah, That's a good way to start off really guilty. <laughs> <laughs> and... um. Yeah, in my family, none of us talked about sexuality or sex or anything. Um, I remember even when I got my period, it was just like something that we didn't even discuss. So I was like felt very shameful of it and it was something I tried to hide. And um, even just, you know, using things like menstrual pads and tampons and things like that was so foreign to me because I had no fucking idea what was going on down there. And I remember finding like my sister's magazines that had the the sealed section in the middle. Oh my god! And it's like you know a description of the anatomy, like what areas of the vagina mean what. Yeah. And I because before then I had no idea about any of it. I remember watching a video on YouTube about like how to put in a tampon for the first time, and mm. my mom was super open about those things, but I still wasn't like I didn't want to go to her and tell her. 
So I just like watched a video and this girl's like kind of just gesturing like, oh, you angle it this way and like do this way and don't use the fucking cardboard ones because, oh my God, that's a big mistake. But it's interesting like where people source their information. Like I feel like boys, normally it's porn. That's like their Mm. entire education about the female body and sexuality. And then girls, it's like magazines or like older sisters or like random things we find. Definitely. Not always a great source of information. Yeah. And I feel like it was only at the age of 15 that I started to kind of like discover my own body. But even still, I had no idea what I was doing. And it wasn't until I got my first boyfriend in high school at the age of 16 that we had sex and it was terrible. We had no no idea what we were doing. Like the first time or all the time? Just the... I would say the first time was probably the worst and then it, it kind of improved as time went on. Okay. But the way we learned was from watching porn, which is oh. not a good way to learn about having sex. Um, <laughs> Slap me harder. Yeah, exactly. It's all oh, like God. harder, faster, like finishing quickly, like not at all Focused anything. Focused on the men. Yes, exactly. The clitoris yeah. doesn't exist. Yeah, and I actually had no idea about a clitoris until – um, his friend told us about the clitoris. It's like, bruh, there's a secret. Yeah, button. there's a secret button there. <laughs> <laughs> really important. <laughs> so when we first met you about a year ago, you had told us briefly about a relationship that you'd been in in Australia with a couple. Is that? Can you tell us about that? Like, how did you meet them? Yeah, what was that whole situation. That was very foreign to me. Um, I got curious and decided to match with this couple on Tinder, which I'd never thought about doing before. But, yeah, I was just really drawn to them for some reason. Was their bio good? (laughs) I can't even remember what their bio said, but something about them grabbed me. It was more like their photos. It was enough to make you swipe. Exactly. (laughs) How old were you? Um, This was two years ago, so I would have been 25. Okay. So, Eva, was this your first time trying something not in a monogamous relationship? Yeah, it was. Um, In the past, I'd only been in monogamous relationships. And to begin with, I thought it was only going to be something a bit more casual. And then the more that we started to talk and see each other, it just soon kind of turned into more of like a three-way relationship, which was totally foreign to me. And you like the girl as much as you like the guy. Yeah, yeah, definitely. In the beginning, Mm -hmm. that's how it was. And then um, over time, it kind of changed yeah and I'm curious how long did it take from things to go from being really great and sexy to being like a little tense or awkward or feelings kind of getting messy it didn't take long at all um yeah yeah. like were we talking weeks or months it took a few weeks and then she started to get very jealous um seeing how close me and him were getting and she kind of I guess had double standards in that sense of being like me and her could go out and hang out and spend time together, but we weren't really allowed to do that, just me and him. She was a bit more possessive. Yeah, definitely. And she did really try to loosen the reins a bit and be more accepting and make things equal by all of us. But yeah. It's really hard. And did they ever tell you what their thought process was in deciding to open up their relationship like that? Because they were engaged, right? They had been. Yeah. So they were engaged and she had actually been in, a female-female relationship before. Well, that's helpful. Yeah. (laughs) But um, it was something that they had kind of discussed for a while, something that they wanted to kind of introduce just more so to spice up their relationship. Mm -hmm. And they thought that they would go 
better at it than it actually did go. Besides not being able to see each other outside of the relationship, did you have any other boundaries? There weren't so many boundaries. It was more about me and him not being intimate without her there. Um, but when we were all together, there weren't it was so many boundaries. Yeah. How did the initial meeting go? Like, so you match them on Tinder and they go, hey, like, let's meet up for what, coffee? What was your first day? Well, it was an interesting meetup because she was really freaking out about meeting up with me. And we'd kept saying that we were going to meet up. And then um, eventually I was like, you know what? I'm just going to come over and we can just briefly meet and just see what it's like. I feel like we just need to get over that initial awkward stage. And then right as I was going to come over, my car battery was flat. Oh, no. And I had to call them. And he actually came and met me first. And then she was like, give Eva a kiss on the cheek and say it's from like both of us. And then he kind of went in to do it awkwardly. And I just like was really caught off guard and just felt really uncomfortable. And I was like, shit, I don't know what to do here. I don't know you guys yet. Yeah. And I could understand they were kind of being a bit cheeky and trying to play with it. But I was like, I don't know you and I don't know how to read this. Is that actually something she wanted you to do? Yeah. Like trying not to cause problems. Yeah. Yeah. And then when I got there, they were both just like super nervous and awkward. And they actually had a child who was asleep in oh, one of the other rooms. That complicates it. How old was the kid? She was four at the time. So old enough to see things and kind of almost understand. It wasn't, wasn't like an infant. Yeah. So it was like if the kid wakes up and comes out, this goes, hi, this is mommy and daddy's new f- yes. friend, auntie, Eva. So. <laughs> and this was their first time opening up the relationship too. Yes. Huh. So she was asleep in another room. So they said, can we go into the bedroom so that we can talk and not wake her up? And <laughs> First meeting in our, in our personal bedroom. home bedroom. <clears throat> okay. No pressure. So yeah, a bit of pressure, bit of pressure and, um, yeah, it was really nice. We, like, relaxed pretty soon after that, I think, because I am good at talking a lot of shit. Mm-hmm. Um, well, you're also a very calming person to be around. Like, like for anyone who's listening to this episode, we're fucking dying laughing. Like, <laughs> you're just, you're easy enough to hang out, so I, I feel like that was probably helpful. But, what, you guys just, like, talked in the bedroom? and Yeah, we just sat there talking, and then things actually moved pretty intimately quite quickly. Like that first meeting? Yeah. Which I didn't expect at all. Um, but yeah, they were just very excited about me being there and the attention was very much on, on me. And I mean, it was great, so I wasn't going to say no. <laughs> and how long did that last, the relationship? <laughs> it's like, <laughs> what? Know if you meant like the sex. The sex. <laughs> so, how big was his dick? <laughs> how long did he last? Um, <laughs> so. The three of us were together for about three months before things got really rocky between them and he ended up leaving her. Oh, no. Yeah. That's unfortunate. It turns out they had been having problems in their relationship before I came into the picture, which they assured me that wasn't the case. (sighs) But there we were three months in and things were getting really tense and awkward and there was a lot of jealousy, so... Yeah, he ended up leaving her because she was just making life quite unbearable at home for him. And then he expressed to me that he was in love with me. And 
he said that he wanted to be with me and I said, no fucking way. I'm not getting caught in the middle of this. You have just left your fiance. You have a child. No way. And, um, yeah, he just said, he kept kind of asking the question. And then eventually he was like, just go on one date with me, just one date and see how it is. And then you can let me know if you do want to continue or not. And I will totally respect that. And I'll leave you alone. So we went on one date and then it was great. And we ended up dating for another few months. And how were things with the the ex? It was a really rough time. Um, So to really spice up the whole situation here, she was actually pregnant. Oh, oh no. (laughs) That's rough. And was it, it was his kid? Yes. So it was going to be their second biological child together. Yep. And then he broke up with her. Yep. I'm just going to side note that this is something I talk about in every episode where if your relationship is having problems, a threesome is not going to fix it. It is going to bring up every insecurity you have. It is going to bring up all of your shit and make you face all the worst parts of yourself and your partner. Like, I just really want to reiterate this for people who come to us and are like, oh, you know, our marriage is struggling or I'm really jealous or he's not being honest with me. Should we be sleeping with other people? And the answer is fuck no. I mean, that's a really quick way to break up if that's your goal. Yeah. Like, it'll force you to make a decision one way or the other because you can't pretend. So, I mean, my heart goes out to this girl, but clearly the relationship wasn't on very good terms to start with if it only took a couple weeks with you around. And you're not a homewrecker at all. Like, you're so respectful of boundaries and calm. Like... If you were enough to break them up, like, I feel like anyone else would have broken them up sooner. So yeah, you end up dating him for a bit. She, I'm assuming, is not very happy and she's pregnant. Yeah. So you could imagine just how the hormones were amplifying everything. Cool. Um, so she was very up and down. Like, you know, to begin with, I was getting a lot of kind of threats from her, abusive messages. Um, and then she found out that we were dating and she said, okay. I'm going to be cool about it. I understand, you know, I could see that you guys had a really beautiful connection and I was, I guess, just getting in the way of that. So she tried to be accepting of it. Like That's very mature of her if she means it, but it's easier said than done. Yeah. And then she had the baby and then things just flipped and she was not okay about it again. And she did everything in her power to make our life a living hell. And she went and spread rumors out to everyone that he had cheated on her with me. So I had people posting on social media, calling me a homewrecking whore. I had people coming into my work and telling the girls that I worked with that I was a homewrecking bitch and to stay away from me. It's like, lady, you invited me into your bedroom. Yeah. Like, this was fully, you're like, I have the Tinder messages. And the thing is, I was only ever such a beautiful, loving person to her. And I was such a great friend. And I was so encouraging of their relationship and was really trying to help them work things through. Like, I did nothing but be a beautiful person to this girl. And then... For her just to turn around like that. I can understand it, but it it hurt a lot. Yeah, that she was hurt, but that she would try and blame it all on you and not direct it more at her partner, who was the one who ultimately made the choice, right? Someone can't homewreck a marriage unless one of the partners is complacent in that. He chose to choose you. Like, that's not your fault. And so what happened between you and him? Were you completely monogamous with him? Yeah, we were completely monogamous together. Um... And had a really beautiful, loving relationship in that short time that we were together. But in the end, the stress was just eating me alive. 
Like she was sending me abusive messages. I had blocked her on absolutely everything. She came into my workplace one day and um, tried to tell me that he was sleeping with her. She was just pulling out anything possible to try and get us to break up so that maybe they had a chance to be together again. And um, he was not in a good place mentally and it was just really taxing on me. Um, And he was trying to be a dad to their children, a newborn as well, and it was a really hard (sighs) situation for me to navigate. And in the end, I just said, I'm sorry, but this isn't good for my mental well-being right now. And it's not for yours either. Maybe in the future things might be different. But right now it's just hurting us too much to be together. So you ended up being the one who made the decision to call it off and to move on with your life in another direction. Yeah. As hard as it was, I felt like it was the best decision by everyone. And right at that moment, he just needed to be a dad. He just needed Mm -hmm. to be there to support her with a newborn and a a toddler and to be a dad to them and it's really honorable of you though to make that call because I feel like a lot of girls would be selfish and be like you know well your ex-wife is a crazy bitch like you know screw her Mm. but you actually knew that he needed to be there for his kid yeah and the whole time you know as crazy as she was being I was still so understanding and Mm -hmm. um yeah just really encouraging of trying to make things peaceful and civil between everyone And so did they end up getting back together? No, they didn't. Um, He was in a really bad place after I broke up with him and he attempted to kill himself. Oh, my God. um, Which just rocked absolutely everything. She was under so much pressure and stress with a newborn, a toddler, and, you know, a now ex-partner who was suicidal. Yeah. So I could be wrong, but I feel like that's almost the worst case scenario. Like that's probably the nightmare of a lot of girls who are the unicorns who are looking for other couples that like, you know, your fear is that you're going to be causing problems and that whatever they're telling you isn't the full honest truth. And then like, that's a crazy mess of complications Definitely that weren't right. You didn't do anything wrong. Mm. It's just that they should have you know, handled themselves better and known what their situation was. They shouldn't have been misleading to tell me that their relationship was great. And this was only kind of like an added bit of fun. Yeah. Which is all threesome should ever be, in my opinion, is fun and they're icing on the cake. Exactly. They're not the foundation of the cake. (laughs) Doesn't work like that. And I had no intention of being a foundation of the cake. Like, Yeah. Yeah. You the, you the frosting and the sprinkles. Yeah. I'm the cherry on top. Ooh. <laughs> I like that. So after that disaster, did you ever want to try having a threesome again? I actually didn't have any intention of doing it again, but I was on Tinder once again and really <laughs> attracted to another couple. And there we have it. <laughs> and how long was it in between the end of that really disastrous first threesome encounter with the second one that you were interested in? Well, from when I broke up with him Mm -hmm. to when that happened, it was just a few months. Oh, wow. Yeah. So you, you were very brave. (laughs) You were brave to wander that that situation again. How was your second threesome different than your first? It was different in the sense that, um, I felt like we were just starting from a very friendship base and I really got to know them before anything intimate happened. What about their relationship dynamic felt different to you or made it seem like this would be a good idea? 
So I know it was something that they had done a few times, like had threesomes with people and it felt like their relationship was just really solid and they were very clear on boundaries and yeah, I just felt like very trusting and very safe being around them. I guess that's good. I've never actually thought about that, that a couple looking for girls to sleep with if they have a good track record where it seems like nothing really awful has happened and they're still relatively good friends with people it probably is more reassuring definitely yeah to someone coming into it and we were you know sharing stories about our experiences and I just felt like I was really able to develop that level of trust with them oh that sounds nice and was was that just a one-time thing while you're on holidays yeah so while I was on holidays um I ended up spending a bit of time with them and then went home and that was it can you tell people like what some of your boundaries were with that couple was that something you that they discussed with you before the encounter or? We didn't actually have a discussion before we met up about boundaries. It was very much like we were going to meet up and hang out and just kind of see where that went. There was no kind of conversation or anything about threesomes. Um, But, yeah, I just felt like there was um, a connection there and then we had a lot of open communication so things just flowed easily. Honesty. Do you have any tips for a couple trying to flirt with another girl? I would just say don't come across as creepy. Like I feel like for me, authenticity and just friendliness is Mm -hmm. something that makes you feel safe. You said that both of these couples stood out to you on Tinder. So how do you stand out as a couple on Tinder? For me, it looked like they were just really fun, loving kind of people, like people I would actually want to hang out with as opposed to just sleep with Mm -hmm. I mean for me connection is so essential with anyone that I'm being intimate with so just going on tinder and looking at people half naked doesn't really stand out for me and it comes across as a bit creepy to me so yeah just seeing their kind of authenticity and um seeing who they are like a little bit about them like what are they interested in to see if yeah we would even have a fun time just hanging out and having good conversation. Are there any things that you know, like these are warning flags, don't go into this. Is there anything that you would try and stay away from? Honestly, I would just say like have open communication. Like if there's anything you're concerned about, ask a question. Don't just wait for them to bring it up because especially if they are having problems, like it's probably not something they're going to discuss with you. So really try to develop that level of safety within yourself in the whole situation. If there's boundaries that you want discussed, you bring them up. Don't wait for it to be brought up because I know it can be quite intimidating going into an already developed relationship and being intimate with them when they know each other so well and talk about these things. It can be quite intimidating and you feel like you can't really speak up and you want to wait for them. But if it's something you're concerned about, have the conversations and if it's just too shit scary for you, just don't bother. It's probably not the right yeah. couple. In your experience, when it comes down to the moment, are you the one that makes the first move? Who makes the first move in that situation? When we're being intimate? Yeah. And what do you like? Yeah, when it's a couple. Because that is something we've talked about with other people where sometimes they feel like they want to have the power and be the one to initiate things so that they don't feel pressured or they want to feel like, you know, they're the center of the attention. Like, do you have a preference or a recommendation for other couples? I think it's really dependent on each person. Um, You know, everyone has their own individual turn-ons and things like that. For me, personally, I don't make the first move. I wait for the first move to be made because it depends on where they're comfortable in their relationship. Because for me, I'm so courteous. Like, I don't want to be stepping on anyone's toes. Like, 
you know, what if the girl gets jealous about like him touching me? So I really just kind of wait and read the energy of the room more than anything. I feel like that's so under talked about in terms of what, especially like, man, picking the right girl is so important. Like I know everyone who's listened has heard kind of my horror stories, which is girls who just assume that everything's free range. Like as soon as they step in the door, they can do whatever they want to either of us and like don't Mm. follow the boundaries. But also just, I feel like it's in the best interest of a threesome girl where if she likes the couple and wants to be an ongoing, you know, situation, just like, especially respecting the girlfriend, because I feel like that tends to be where the jealousy comes up. Definitely. And tends to be where like a lot of the tension. So just like, you know, just be extra nice, be extra respectful. And like, it's an investment for future experiences. Exactly. Yeah. I feel like some people could get very greedy in that kind of situation. But yeah, for me, I'm very careful to not piss anyone off and to make it a fun experience for everyone. Cause I mean, for me, that's why I was doing it for fun and for connection and mm-hmm. more intimacy. And so did you feel jealous in any of those scenarios? Um, no, I felt like I haven't had any level of jealousy. I feel like with the first couple that I was intimate with towards the end, like kind of as that was finishing, I could feel because me and him were a lot closer, I was feeling almost jealous of them. Mm -hmm. But I think it was more so coming from a place of me feeling excluded. So she wasn't being as inclusive with me in conversations they were having and things like that. So So I have another question, which is something I just want to pick your brain about because I love who you are as a person, which is how do you recommend people handle jealousy in life or in their relationships and or their insecurities about themselves as a person. Mm. I feel like that's a lot of the turmoil in relationships, whether or not they're open is people dealing with their own kind of inner dialogue and the voices in their head. Definitely. Yeah. So I feel like a lot of jealousy comes from your kind of um, attachment style. So we have attachment styles in relationships. We have the kind of love avoider and love addict that always Mm. plays out with people. And usually the feminine tends to be the love addict. She's the one kind of chasing and grasping um, and really seeking for that kind of validation. So if you can feel that that is you and you are getting jealous in a situation, just kind of asking yourself, like, what is it actually that you need right now? And how can you give it to yourself first and foremost? Like, are you just needing some more love? Are you needing more connection? Are you needing more intimacy? Are you needing more pleasure? And then just learn to give that to yourself rather than constantly seeking it externally. That was brilliant. Yeah, well said, Eva. Have you said that a lot? (laughs) Has that been practiced? Is that like a spiel? Oh, it's definitely something that comes up in sessions with people. Yeah. In working with a lot of other people, I feel like, yeah, you might have seen a whole range of emotions and a lot of things that come up in, in patterns. Definitely. Yeah. Um, And because I work with people's energetic bodies, it's like you kind of see where the energetic blocks then leak out into more physical and emotional imbalances and things like having jealousy and, you know, graspiness and neediness. Like that's definitely a block that comes up. Um, Just for the sake of example, if someone has a lot of insecurities about their body and it's translating into the bedroom and into their confidence, um, like what are some things that you could tell them to do or to work on? Yeah, so I really feel like that's that's more of an inner journey. So that's like really coming to a place of self-acceptance and self-love. And if it's coming from um, like body shame and things like that, 
one of the best things to do is really trace back where that began. So Mm -hmm. if you can go back to inner child work and look at the wounds that need healing, that will give you so much more compassion for where you're at now and the insecurities that you have. So something that I do with women is I, I kind of take them through a meditation, take them back to a time, which is usually before the age of seven, where something has happened to them that has then made them have that kind of level of insecurity. And the bullies on the playground. Exactly. It could be. A, so there's certain levels of trauma. There is hard trauma and soft trauma. Mm-hmm. Soft trauma could be something like, you know, a schoolmate said something about them being fat. And you internalized it and just heard it forever. Exactly. Or it could be like hard trauma, like there was actual like sexual assault there from a young age, mm-hmm. something like that. So once you figure out what the trauma is, you have to become okay with it? Or how do you, yeah, how do you get so past that trauma? I feel like the initial thing is like tracing back to that trauma and then giving yourself compassion it's like it really makes you understand why you are going through the things that you were going through. And then you just become more aware of your thought processes that come up. So um, when you do have like those negative talk, like we all have that kind of inner mean girl, inner mean yeah. guy that says the most horrible things to you. And honestly, if we had any friend that was around us that said things like that, we wouldn't want them in our life. And yet we talk to ourselves like that. That's really interesting. So I've got another question unrelated but i've seen on your stories that you go to some pretty crazy parties have you ever been to a sex party before no i've never been to a sex party um i have done a lot of tantra work so i feel like people could see that as a sex party and i've definitely been in like a workshop space where everyone i guess you would say we were having sex but it wasn't a sex party it was more about like the energy exchange like we were circulating sexual energy and there was some penetration with I think most people in Mm -hmm. the room so I guess people would see that as a sex party but I don't yeah I don't think it was (laughs) and so what was the main difference there in your mind between a sex party and what you I feel like a sex party people were going there with the intention of yeah, having sex with other people. This was more so like an educational-based workshop where we were having like an experience to really like understand what it was that was being transmuted to us. And I'm curious, how much was the tickets for that? Or So it was like a whole um, retreat that I went on. So it was for a few days and there was multiple different workshops. And um, And so what, what sort of workshops did they have? Um, there was workshops on energetic orgasms, on, um, things to do with understanding like female anatomy, um, with really, um, cultivating like your sexual energy. It was like very much based around sacred sexuality and what that means and how you can integrate that into your life. Were there more women or men at this event? I feel like there was a good blend of men and women, probably a few more women than men though. And did they have to get screened beforehand or... Was it just open to anyone? It was open to anyone. Yeah. I feel like it was um, a really inclusive retreat of anyone who either was very experienced in that kind of world or was kind of dipping their toe in. And you got a choice of what kind of workshops you wanted to go to. So there was multiple happening at one time. It was a pretty big festival. There was only a hundred people. So it was quite small. And would you do it again? Yeah. Yeah. I definitely will. I went to the one that happened last year. And the year before that, and yeah, I plan to go to each one because I love being in an environment like that and just seeing kind of where everyone's at 
but there's just so much support and love and um, I feel like it's a really nurturing place to kind of open yourself up to that world. Like finding your tribe. So just to reiterate, for people who are interested in maybe finding these communities or going to these events for the first time, first is roughly how much do they cost and also where could they reach out or potentially look for these types of events? Okay, so for this particular retreat, mm-hmm. um, tickets are around $200 for oh, a weekend. That's not bad, actually. That's Australian dollars. Yeah. Um, but you can go to so many different workshops. Like you could go to, you know, a, a temple night or you can go mm-hmm. to a, a one-day tantra event. You know, there's so many different things that are happening and they're all at different um, costs. So I think just really find something that you resonate with that doesn't scare the shit out of you and like makes you feel somewhat comfortable and you'll just know you can trust your intuition on that you might yeah just get a certain feeling that that's something that's really drawing you in and then where are you finding these events these like on facebook or online or word of mouth yeah so um they're all facebook events but i usually find these things from just people that i follow on instagram and then Um, I follow lots of people that are in the world of, you know, sacred sexuality, tantra, conscious relationships, that kind of thing. Oh, that's beautiful. So when you're in the bedroom with a couple, is there anything that you like or dislike specifically? Mm -hmm. Like, do you like to be focused on? Do you like to focus on the man, the woman? Sure. Of course, everyone likes the focus being on them and having all the attention on them. But for me, in that certain dynamic, I really like to make sure that everyone is getting that attention and everyone's feeling included. And I have a lot of fun with that. Can you tell us where, where are some of the craziest places you've had sex? Oh, like just in general, not with like I mean, two either people? With a couple in general. Okay. So in general, I've had sex um, in a national park in a cave that was under a lookout. That's pretty good. Where people were standing there. So there's people right above you. Yeah, people right above <laughs> us. No idea that we were completely naked having sex in a cave. Um, I've also had sex um, just like behind a big rock in the middle of like just the open area where people were. I have had sex in a f- big flower field, like literally amongst like all the flowers That's just on the floor. Yeah, there's, yeah. Something, there's something beautiful about having sex in nature. Yeah. I, I love being naked in nature. I love having sex in nature. It just feels so liberating and so freeing. And I've had sex on a boat, just like in the middle of the ocean. Um, yeah, I feel small like... Small boat, big boat. It was a small boat. Like a like kayak. A no. <laughs> Sex on no, <laughs> no, it was like a, I don't, I don't know what you'd call it, a regular size boat. <laughs> okay. I feel like I've had sex in a lot of other crazier places. What, what was the most exciting for you or what was, was there any places that you were like, damn, this, everyone's got to try this? Having sex on a balcony. I really Ooh. love that. I like that where people can kind of see you and you're like, yeah, you'll never really know who I am. It but. feels really risky. And like just having the fresh air on you and just like the potential of being caught out and people seeing you or hearing you. Yeah. It's got a certain edge. If some people had looked up and seen you, would you have continued? Probably. Yeah. <laughs> Get it. Give them a show. <laughs> Give them something to talk about. Going back to what you said about like sex with a lot of other people around at your workshop. How did that feel for you? Did you like having sex more publicly and like in a group setting? For me, that was like 
very much out of my comfort zone. Mm-hmm. I feel like um, that experience really opened up my world a lot um, being at that retreat of just kind of like, yeah, there is more to life than just vanilla sex. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> On the bed in missionary with the lights off. Yeah, and I, you know, never thought that I would be having sex in an environment where other people were. And yeah, like I say, you know, it what he kind of just put the tip in and I don't think there was any there wasn't any movement. It was more like circulating sexual energy, mm-hmm. so having sex with each other in that way. Oh wow. Um so there are some people that were I guess getting into it a bit more. But yeah, <laughs> I think I was just in my head a bit and kind of like freaking out and feeling a bit weird of being like, is this really happening? Um, <laughs> Did you and is this guy? normal for other people? And yeah, it was the the guy that I was with after oh, he okay. left the fiance. Me so it wasn't him. like a big game thing, everyone. No, no, it was like, like I said, it was a educational workshop. So everyone was kind of like- With their own partner. Either a with a boyfriend setting. or had partnered up with someone that they felt comfortable with. And we were all completely naked under sarongs. And then, um, yeah, and then we were circulating sexual energy. And then after a while, she said, okay, if you feel comfortable now, you can have penetration. And she just started handing around condoms that I'm like freaking oh, out. Like, like oh, oh. what is going on? Is this going to turn into a massive gangbang? I don't know. Um, but it was actually a really beautiful experience. I felt like it was really normalizing sex, which was so great to be in an environment like that. You told us the craziest places you've had sex with one other person. What about with two other people? Oh, we never fuck outside. It's, it's, it's a little bit different in a threesome situation like, trying to have sex yeah. outside of the bedroom. I mean, it doesn't have to be. It just feels like well, there's not as much like lying down. Like I wouldn't want to necessarily have a threesome like somewhere where there's dirt. Like mm. outside, I don't know. Beach sex always kind of sucks. I think there's just too much sand. Yeah, not a vibe. It's like romantic but painful. <laughs> it's like good in theory, and then you do it, and you're like, nope, ouch. So you think with threesomes, it was mostly in beds. Yeah, it was mostly in beds. I mean, I did have sex in a shower with one couple. That's good. Which was fun. Also kind of awkward. Felt like it needed to be a bigger shower. More space. <laughs> which is all squeaking around. It. Yeah, like, and just like occasionally getting splashed in the face by the shower head. <laughs> You're like, oh, lovely. I have a question for you, Eva. If you were looking for a relationship now, would you look for a completely monogamous relationship? Would you look for something... Non-conventional? Fully open, slightly monogamish. Right now, I feel like I am looking for a monogamous relationship. And I only say that because I want to really go deep with that person Mm -hmm. and develop that safety and trust before even considering anything else. I feel like that is my main focus. And I don't know where that relationship will go because it's so Mm -hmm. dependent on the person and, you know, where you're at in life. Um, but I feel like that's my main intention now, but it doesn't mean I'm completely closed off to something yeah. happening in the future. That's very wise of you. <laughs> I think it's kind of beautiful to like start off monogamous and like, yeah, like you said, put in that time to really know someone. Yeah. And Focus like build on that building connection. that love and that yeah, strong before base. Before you ever open up. And I, I, I think it can be harder to do that, but I think the rewards are really worth it because you start with like a really solid understanding of each other and a solid love beforehand. And I feel like if you try and approach a relationship knowing that it's going to be open the whole time, you might not want to commit as much. Yeah, it'll be kind of, it. it'll be one foot in, one foot out. And exactly. it's like, I want to fully jump in with someone and mm-hmm. fully choose them and have them choose me before even exploring anything else. Develop those like strong soul ties where you know you can trust someone. Because that's exactly. like where the good 
sex and the, I mean, the good sex with each other and with other people can happen because you don't have to worry. Like that's one thing I talk about is that now that and I are so like open with each other and love so deeply, if we sleep with someone, even if they're a close friend of ours, there is no part of me that has a little voice being like, what if he loves him and runs away? Like that just doesn't come up because I know what we have. Right. And it can be a beautiful experience with a really hot person. And it's a lot of fun. And I know that it's changed nothing about what we have as a relationship. So I think that's very wise of you. And I hope that you find your person to have soul ties with. And then you can go have lots of really fun orgies <laughs> at Tantra parties. You never know. It could happen. But thing, I think it's good as well to like not even let it enter your mind. Like if it comes yeah. up at one point, then that's great. But like. Yeah, just be open to it. Yeah, at, that's at a it. Point. It's yes. like right now I'm clear on that mm -hmm. and that's the, the type of person and relationship I want to attract into my life. And then, yeah, whatever follows from there follows. I like that. So now that we've gone over a lot of the stories, these crazy things that have happened to you, is this something you're pretty open about telling people? Like do people in your family know or friends? Or if so, how do, how do those people react? I feel like it's something that I've been very open with. Um more so now than in the beginning. In the beginning, it was something that I was really worried about people judging me or looking at me differently, especially, you know, friends that were in relationships. There was yeah. part of me that was almost worried, like, oh, do they think that if I hang out with them, they're going to think I'm interested <laughs> I'm in them? I'm trying to sleep with them. Yeah, I actually even had one of my best friends ask if I would be interested in sleeping with her and her husband because she found out I'd had threesomes. Yeah. And I was kind of a bit like, so because I've had a threesome with a couple, do you Clearly then I want to sleep with think everyone. automatically I want to sleep with everyone? Like, no. Mm. Um, but, yeah, I feel like it's something that I've really been opening up more with people. And I think that's just really come from a place of just me fully owning who I am and mm -hmm. owning my sexuality and owning my stories and not feeling like I should have to hide any of that. And so a lot of the work that I do with women is really showing them that it's okay to talk about these shadow things. It's okay to talk about the taboo things like sexuality and um, just all the womanly things, like anything that makes us fucking human because I feel like sexuality is so suppressed. So it's like the more I can open up with people about this, the more that it becomes okay and it becomes the norm and it doesn't have to be something that we have to hide away. Yeah. You talk about some pretty controversial stuff on your stories and on your Instagram. Do you ever get negative feedback from people? I actually get no negative feedback and I, I'm kind of surprised by that. Um, considering in the past I have kind of had a little bit of, you know, hate from people, but I mean, no one is outwards about it. Who knows? I could be triggering the fuck out of some people and they they're just... not coming after you. At least. Yeah, exactly. And how about your friends? Do your friends feel open to talk about their relationships and stuff with you or more yeah. open than they would have been? It's actually beautiful because, you know, with me being open about this, I feel like it's just opened up so much more depth in my friendships and then mm. we can talk about so much more and things that maybe they felt like they had to hide away. You know, I've had friends say to me like, oh, I've actually been interested in having a threesome. Can you like tell me more about your experiences? Yeah. What was it like? You know, it's crazy how that happens where you're so, at least for me, I was so fearful of speaking about certain aspects of my life. And as soon as you do, you realize like most people in your life feel the same way or they've done the same things or have the same questions. You're like, oh shit, we're all in this together. Like, exactly. You find your tribe. So why hide it? And that's kind of where I'm at now. And, you know, even like my sister and my mum like are fully aware of um, the fact that I've had threesomes and they're just totally accepting of me. Oh, that's beautiful. I wish more, more families could be like that and support each other in that way. Let's hope that's what happens after we release the book. 
Yeah. Okay, so whenever this podcast is airing, our book is already out there. But at the moment, we have like three days left until, and it's, people are guessing, people are freaking out, my family's freaking out. Um, <laughs> we hope the book launch went well. We hope you guys got the book and don't hate us. We'll get into that later. Um, I have a couple questions before we finish up. One is, as a coach and someone who works with a lot of women and helping to empower people, what is something that you wish more girls knew or practiced? I feel like a really big thing from a lot of women is feeling like they're the only one. So they feel Mm. like they're the only one who has these insecurities. They feel like they're the only one who beats themselves up. And yeah, I just feel like if everyone can be a bit more open about talking about these things, it kind of just brings a bit more light onto it. It no longer becomes this thing that you feel you have to hide. Me just posting something on um, Instagram about, you know, it's okay to not have a flat stomach. The response I've had from women is fucking unreal of being like, thank you so much for posting something like this. Thank you for making me feel normal. Thank you for normalizing bodies that don't look like, you know, stick thin figures that you see in magazines and slapped all over the internet. The more people can get okay with talking about that, the more you make it okay for everyone. And then we just love ourselves for our own unique bodies and our own unique way of being. On your stories, you seem to really enjoy having a yoni egg. Can you? Oh yeah, we almost skipped that. that. So first, we should go over what does the word yoni mean. So the word yoni is actually Sanskrit for um, the whole space of your womb, your vagina, and your vulva. It really encompasses that whole area. So um, I use the word yoni a lot because I feel like it's um, just makes that whole area feel a lot more sacred as opposed to just using, you know, there's so many nicknames for vaginas these days, like hoochie and, you know, just. I say hoochie. I don't know why. It's so fun. (laughs) It's like, I don't know. It sounds like a little like pet or something. Oh, my hoochie. Yeah. (laughs) That's weird. I feel like I either use the word yoni now or pussy. I read a really amazing book called Pussy, A Reclamation, (laughs) and Yeah, I feel like I just fully reclaim the word pussy and I love using it now. So a yoni egg is made out of like a crystal or a stone and it's something that you insert into your vagina and you can do certain exercises with it. I love to dance with it. Um, It strengthens the pelvic floor and it's a really beautiful way to de-armor. So de-armoring means kind of massaging out tension spots that are inside your vagina. So the more it massages out points of tension, the more you increase pleasure in that area. So as women, we hold on to emotions around our yoni, like around the womb, around the vagina, the vulva. So we are storing those emotions. We're storing that trauma in there. And that's why we have so many points of numbness or pain inside our vagina. So a yoni egg is a real beautiful, gentle way of massaging out those points. You can always use um, a crystal wand as well, which I I love myself personally. I feel like I'm able to apply a lot more direct pressure into those areas that I'm feeling numbness or pain. And I just work around in like a clockwise motion. So Mm -hmm. you start from 12 o'clock, then one o'clock, and you just kind of go around and explore that. Um, but you can always just use your fingers and just start to explore in that kind of way. 
Um, so as well as doing de-armoring, it's also a great way of just having more pleasure. I mean, I feel extra juicy whenever I wear a Yoni egg and dance around the house. Um, and then I love to use ones as a self-pleasure tool as well. And have you noticed that your sex has felt better? Definitely. Yeah. Honestly, I never thought I was able to experience this level of pleasure that I do now from using these tools. So maybe all my friends are getting a, a crystal yoni egg for Christmas. Yes. It might be expensive, but we'll make it work. And then for people who are interested, right, you have a company that you recommend and people can reach out to you yeah. for recommendations if they have any questions to your personal page. Definitely. Um, if you go to the link in my bio, I have a whole page there that sells um, really good high quality crystals and stones that they use. So a lot of places that you can go to, um, they might have like blemishes or little cracks in, Ooh. which really isn't safe for you to be like inserting. Yeah. So um, the best stone to use is nephrite jade. That is the most non-porous stone. So you can find the link to um, everything that's in my Instagram bio. And, and you want to let everyone know what your socials are and how can they find you? Yeah, so you can find me on Instagram under Eva Sumter, just one word. And um, also I have a business page on Facebook called Eva Simone and you can have a look at sessions that I run with people on there and I also post any events that I'm running if you are based in Perth yourself. Um, but, yeah, I'm most contactable over Instagram. We will link her socials at the end of this episode, but just for people out there like me who can't spell for shit, could you spell out your full Instagram name? Yep, so it's E V A S U M. P-T-E-R. There you have it, ladies and gentlemen. That's where you go find all your yummy new toys <laughs> and self-love and naked dancing in the ocean. It yeah. was awesome to watch on Instagram as yeah, well. Yeah, you guys should definitely follow her story. She's entertaining as fuck. She talks a lot, but I listen to all of them. <laughs> so along with yoni eggs and a lot of things that people don't understand about female health and menstrual cycles and stuff, you have some practices involving your menstrual cycle that a lot of people either think is strange or don't understand. Is that something you would be willing to share with our, our listeners? Because it's something I personally believe in, but I feel like you would explain this better. <laughs> yeah, I guess it's quite unconventional um, in the sense that so many women are disconnected from their menstrual blood entirely. Like how many people would just put a tampon in, soak up all the blood, put it in the bin and not yeah. think about it. It's and like, you, 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 yeah. the whole time, even though it's just part of their natural body. Yeah, but I don't think people realize just the, the power of your menstrual cycle, the power of bleeding, and that is such an essential part of being a woman. And, and for anyone that listens who doesn't bleed, like this totally doesn't take away from you. Um, but, yeah, I just really want to emphasize um, regaining that connection with your cycle. And for myself, that really started with me first by coming off the contraceptive pill um, where I actually started to have a natural cycle and I started to have a normal bleed. So for a lot of people being on the contraceptive pill, they're unaware that they're not having a normal bleed. They're actually having something called a withdrawal bleed. So that mm. is just a withdrawal of having the certain hormones that you are feeding your body each day. So the next thing that I did was I started using a menstrual cup. So mm. a menstrual cup will like hold your blood as opposed to soak it up like a, a pad would or a tampon would. And just being able to see my blood, I felt like I was able to really understand my body 
and based on the the flow of it, the texture, the color, it was like my own personal um, health check mm-hmm. each cycle of being like, how am I going hormonally? Like, was my cycle um, on time? Like, what color is it? I felt like I was really able to develop a connection with that. And even just seeing the blood itself, I felt like just really cut down those layers of shame that I had surrounding my body and surrounding that time of my month. As I've really developed this sense of connection with my menstrual blood, I've really been using um, different kinds of practices that have really helped me to use the power of that. So um, something that I love to do is I love to water my plants using my menstrual blood, which Mm -hmm. for some people they would be like, what the actual fuck either? Mm -hmm. But it actually makes your plants grow so insanely beautifully, so well, so quickly. And um, I know so many women that do it as well. So if I'm using a cup, I just mix that with some water and just water it like normal. Or I also use um, period panties, which are fucking awesome, by the way. Like you literally just put on a normal pair of underwear and I feel like I'm so much more comfortable wearing them now Mm -hmm. than actually using a menstrual cup. But yeah, I just will rinse them into cold water and then use that water to water my plants, and then I put the underwear in the wash like normal. Yeah, if you're someone who's sitting at home right now cringing or skipping through this because it sounds very woo-woo to you, you should look at the videos of like dead plants that come back to life, because aside from the fact that these cells are so nutrient-rich and all the vitamins and the mineral and the iron in this blood, but think about it, when you're landscaping or gardening, the most expensive additive to the soil is blood and bone meal. Right, and that's very low quality blood from like slaughterhouse animals. But you pay a lot of money to get that mixed in your soil because it makes your fruit trees bloom and it makes your flowers bigger and brighter. So the idea that, right, the most nutrient rich blood in your entire body should just go in the trash if you have very sad house plants, that makes no sense to me. Mm-hmm. So get comfortable with yourself. Yeah, and good use of it. Even beyond that, I feel like it's just really furthered and deepened my connection with the earth as well. I feel like um, every time I am offering my blood, I'm just um, cultivating a deeper connection with the earth because, I mean, our own individual wombs are so connected to the womb of the earth. And um, there's this old kind of story about how, um, you know, the reason that we would have so many wars is because Mother Earth wanted the men to draw blood. She wanted Mm -hmm. to see blood drawn. And that's why, you know, it's told that so many people are still in war. There's still so much violence. So that's why a lot of people in my community will say, if you can offer your blood back to the earth, you are giving her that blood that she is craving. You're giving her that life force energy in a peaceful way where there doesn't have to be violence. So the more we can offer that with intention and with love and grace, then, yeah, essentially the less violence there will be in the world. And for a lot of people that can sound totally foreign and totally woo-woo, but I like to believe that. And why not? It doesn't hurt anyone. Yeah, it's it's a nice thing to be able to explore taboos and figure out for yourselves why you cringe when you think of things and see if there's a reason for it or if it's just because it's something that you don't understand. Yeah, that you were taught, especially, I know, friends of mine who were raised in very strict or religious households where... Right? You never had good sex education. Your parents never talked with you about your bodies. And a lot of girls who like have never taken a mirror and looked at themselves. Like They don't even know what parts they have and what the parts do. And there's so much shame. And, ooh, this gross, like smelly thing I don't want to touch. And first off, like 
your natural scent is beautiful. That is what mm. helps you find partners that are like genetically compatible. Yes. Right? Like the reason why I think smells delicious straight out of the gym is because we're going to make beautiful, really healthy, genetically strong babies. Mm. So if you're with someone and you don't like the way they naturally smell or they wear a shit ton of perfume all the time. Break up with them. Yeah. Well, but seriously, <laughs> you can't find your really good partner if everyone's walking around covered in all these fake chemical smells. Like Side note with ugh. that. Yeah. The pill actually affects the way I've read that. pheromones are. So the wow. way you respond to that, like it actually changes the, the chemical response. I don't know. Mm-hmm. I don't, I'm not a scientist. I can't fucking talk into <laughs> as much detail as you do. But, um, yeah, when you actually come off the pill, a lot of women find that they're no longer attracted to their partners or lovers. They're wow. like, wait, are you even the right match for me? You yeah. smell like shit. And given, I mean, that's, don't quote me on this, people. Like, this obviously ties into bigger things. Like, if your partner is eating really shitty food and smoking a bunch of cigarettes and not working out, their body is probably going to be bad just because their body is in a toxic state. Yeah. So I'm not saying that you should go and break up with the love of your life because they smell bad. Like, maybe, you know, work out and sit in the sun and eat some good food first. Uh, <laughs> but generally speaking, if you're having trouble dating, maybe, like, lay off the perfume a bit and, like, you know, yes. let, let nature do its thing. Yeah, I only ever use natural deodorants and mm-hmm. essential oils now. I stopped using perfumes a long time ago. You smell good. And I use all natural soaps and everything, and, yeah, it makes a big difference. So thank you for taking this time out of your day to come and talk with us. Do you have any final thoughts or words of wisdom or asks of our listeners if you could have them go out in the world and do anything today? I would tell them to buy your book. Oh. Honestly, though, I have read it and I think it's amazing. And for anyone that is interested in opening up their world and introducing people into their relationship, that's a really beautiful way of exploring that and doing it from a really solid, grounded place. So Eva was actually probably the first person to read our book. Yeah, the way original version when things were crazy and a little bit too graphic. And I she like sat it. and read the whole thing <laughs> in like six hours. I personally like the graphicness. But <laughs> she laid in our hotel and read the entire book and was like, that was great. And since then, a lot has changed. But she has been with us through this whole journey. And she doesn't hate us yet. So that's a good start. <laughs> and as much as I, as I love the free advertising, that was a kind of freebie. Is there anything else you like people to do other than buy our book? Speaking probably more to women. Just because it's what you're good at. Mm. <laughs> it, it can be a small thing. It can just be giving yourself a hug today or just saying nice things, whatever it is. I would say take the time out for self-pleasure. Even if mm. you are in a relationship, even if you already have threesomes, even if you think things awesome and it's great, like take the time to be with you. And sometimes you think you know what you like, but the more you explore it, like things can change and you can really just open yourself up to new levels of pleasure that you didn't know were possible. But yeah, I think it really just takes that time into having a self-pleasure practice. Are there any other books or any other resources that you recommend to people? Yeah, so I would tell every woman to get the book called Pussy, A Reclamation by Regina Thomashaw. And I'm also reading an awesome book at the moment called um, Wild Power. And it's all about discovering the magic of your menstrual cycle and awakening the feminine path to power. Yeah, so the reason I love that book is because um, it really tells you the spirituality around your cycle, not just the science behind it. And it's just really um, using your cycle to your benefit and 
navigating your life around it. And by doing that, you're really accessing your power of what it means to be a woman. As you guys know, the book is finally out. We would really appreciate any feedback you have for us. And of course, if you could leave us a rating review on our podcast, that'd be amazing. We'd be forever grateful. Thank you guys. And then as always, if you guys want to reach out to us, either on our personal pages, mine is his is at or the how to have threesomes page. We would love to hear from you and answer any of your questions. And if we get too much hate, we're going to run away to a foreign island. Yeah. And if we disappear, it means things went really, really badly. And we'll be here with Eva on a tropical island. So I'm okay with that. (laughs) (laughs) See you guys later. Peace.